Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Power Podcast. It's episode 30, and I'm really excited and honored to have this guest on our podcast today. Her name is Hensley, and you're going to learn so much about her, and you're going to understand why we're having her on the podcast, and you're going to really understand why power has grown and is continuing to grow because of this badass woman in the fitness industry. I am so excited to talk to her. A little bit about Hensley before we get started. Since becoming a junior national athlete, she was deeply passionate about fitness. While pursuing her degree in sports management and applied physiology at Southern Methodist University, Hensley began her career at Equinox, then the fastest growing premium fitness brand in the US, earning consistent recognition as a top sales performer at Equinox brand. She went on to spend subsequent years at the sales helm of two of the largest household boutique fitness brands. And we're definitely gonna get into that. She, she's worked closely with hundreds of franchise owners, most of whom wanted to expand their business success, but didn't have an approach or methodology to deliver predictable results. Having listened to their stories and partnered in their journeys, she developed her own methodology to help boutique fitness studios like Power successfully launch, grow, and thrive. Let's get started. I'm so excited. All right, we have Hensley here. Hi, Hensley. Hi. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the time. Of course, I'm I'm really excited. These always go so fast and I mean, you know, I have a major girl crush on you and what you're doing and so I'm excited to oh, to nerd out for the next 60 minutes or so. Stop. Let's be honest. The girl crush started with me finding <laughs> you. I was listening to Brandon Cullen's podcast and you were just like, and it just sounds really creepy, but I always listen to my podcast in the shower and when my kids go to sleep. So I have like me time and I'm like, she's speaking to me. This is amazing. And then I went to your Instagram, liked your page and you reached out to me. Do you remember that? Like yeah. you wrote me a yeah. message and I'm like, this is, this is weird. This is really cool. And this is a sign. So we need to work together. Yep. And here we are. And here we are. And it's been almost 12 weeks of working together. We're finishing out our program and girl, I'm continuing. I'm telling you right now, we are continuing because I've been, I've learned not only so much, I say I, but we have learned so much working with you and Alyssa and we're so grateful and I just can't wait to continue. Well, I mean, again, not to toot your horn, but it's been, it's been easy to work with a team like yours that's so collaborative and willing to do the work and like dig your, dig your claws into this and really make it your own. So mm. we're really excited to continue. And I think it's, it's a testament to what you guys have done. I mean, we can give you the recipe, we can give you the recommendations, but it's you that put pen to paper. So mm. props to, to you and Relly and Raw and the whole power team that's made this just as enjoyable. Thank you. So I'm actually going to pronounce your last name correctly because I looked it up. I believe it's oh my God. Ella Fritz, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I, I feel like I told Brandon the same thing, which is fortunately my parents gave me like a unique enough first name that I, I rarely have to use my last name. And believe me, the first chance I get to drop that, I will. But yes, it's Ella Fritz. Ella Fritz. I love it. It's You can't forget your name. It's, I. This is why when I got engaged, I was like, I'm not going to change my last name. I'm Brittany Burnham. I love alliteration. Yeah. And they we're keeping it. It's strong. Your name is strong. You remember it. And look what's happening to you and your business. Because how long have, before we get into your background, how long have you started your consulting business? 
Um, it's been 10 months. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's been, That's it sounds exciting. cliche, but it's been like a very crazy journey. And I definitely didn't think, you know, 10 months ago that I'd be here, but, um, yeah, I, I still pinch myself and, mm. um, yeah, it's been an it's been an awesome ten months. That's so inspiring. I love it. Just more badass women in this industry, which we're gonna get into about women in this fitness industry. But first, tell me about your background, your story. Uh, I love hearing it, but I want everyone else to hear your journey and your path. Yeah, um, I was um, a competitive athlete growing up and swam competitively, and then got to that point where it was like I would. I was just a, a wimp. I was a tiny little thing and it became clear that I wasn't going to make it on the big screen there. And so pivoted to another sport that I, at the time was like, this will be really easy. Um, which was badminton. That's crazy. <laughs> this is like my, I know this is always like my fun, my fun fact. Um, I was absolutely the only white person with red hair. Like it is a major Asian, Asian dominated sport. And I, oh, yeah. I loved it. It's like chess. It's like chess on a court um <laughs> so did that for her gosh I'm trying to think I guess it was like from like 12 to 18 12 to 17 or 18 okay. was on the junior national circuit yeah I mean and so I was training like 24 25 hours a week and then um got injured as many athletes do and then like had all of this time on my hands um I was like you know what I really want to get into like working for a gym I didn't really know at that point um what this it would manifest into um but oddly enough I this was like around 2010-ish applied for a front desk job at Equinox and it started from there really so I would say right at that time boutique fitness um hadn't really woken up yet so um Equinox was really the pinnacle of luxury um high caliber high quality fitness um and recognized that I wanted to be in that industry but that I wanted to be in the um like kind of behind the curtain so there was a lot of strategy that I was recognizing that you know went into putting on this experience um and so continued with the brand through college i went to smu majored in sport management and applied physiology and then um really wanted to get into management with equinox they said you have to start with selling memberships and i was like oh god i didn't i don't want to do that like it felt like just a necessary step and needless to say found my niche there Mm -hmm. um and ended up as their top salesperson that year um, was promoted and then um, moved over to Pure Bar um, and helped build out their then sales um, processes. And then around 2017, um, I was in touch with Club Pilates um, and became their national sales director, um, which at the time was about 150 studios, I think is what they were at when I came on. Um, and then when I left, we were a little under 700. So, um, yeah, so definitely, you know, not only figured out and finessed that pre-opening recipe, um, but during that time, um, Exponential, which was our parent company, um, took over Pure Bar and Cycle Bar and Row House and, you know, eight other brands. And so, um, our sales, 
curriculum served as the framework for all of these other brands. So that's when I really, you know, started to understand that this was going to be not necessarily rinse and repeatable, Mm. but it was going to, what worked for one fitness brand could also be adapted into another. Mm -hmm. Um, And so over COVID, I think a lot of us had revelations and mine was looking out at this industry and seeing on social media, you know, all of these brands throwing out, um, gosh, 10 classes for X or buy the rest of your year's membership. And it it was just very clear that there were a lot of white flags being raised. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I, I felt like I had not necessarily the, the cure, but I recognized what a lot of these studios were doing wrong. And I, I knew what would have needed to happen to, to keep them alive. So um, left in left exponential, left Club Pilates at the end of, gosh, I guess it was like November of last year, beginning of November last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm always very frank. I never wanted to start a company. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was never one of those people. I just wanted to work for myself. Um, and I really wanted to serve the little guys. I really wanted to bring the support of a franchisor um, to the mom and pops. And um, it, it, I knew there was a need. I didn't know that there would be this much of a need, but um, needless to say, there has been. And we've grown into a team of, we're now seven, um, and we're nationwide and continuing to grow. So it's been, it's been an, an awesome journey. Yeah. Good for you. Congrats. That's awesome. I mean, Thank you. to take that risk. I mean, you were secure, you know, in your totally. Career. And then just to start from scratch is so admirable. And I mean, I'm appreciative. Look where we're at. So <laughs> that's that's fantastic. What was what was your favorite experience? What was the just I'm, I'm curious, you know, what was your favorite experience through those transitions from Equinox to Pure Bar to Club Pilates? And, um, and what, like, what's your like main takeaway from those? Gosh, you know, it, it sounds cliche. Um, but I think learning how to lead effectively, um, and empower your team and, um, create a, a strategy for our now clients, but at the time our franchisees that allowed them to, um, the, the wrong word is exploit. The right word is probably take advantage of each of their team members' strengths and really lean into them and let them just focus on that lane. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's this um, misunderstanding in boutique fitness that if you're an owner, you also have to be the best instructor and you also have to sell or you have to find someone that's this unicorn. And mm-hmm. um, that's that's just something that I learned over these last 10 years that's that's not feasible and it's not scalable um but it's not even feasible or scalable you know for me as a leader I can't micromanage every piece of my business um and so teaching clients how to let go of the reins a little bit and Mm -hmm. give their team a little bit more autonomy um and trust that's been incredibly rewarding to witness I love that you just said that I actually just spoke to my team I always give them some professional personal development every week a little assignment and the the baseline of this pyramid that I sent them was about trust and how leaders you know how you have to develop that trust with leaders with your team even as a team with the clients and 
build off those strengths. I've been, this is one of the biggest reasons why we rebranded as well from Hit It With Brit to Power because of, Brit, I want you training me. I want you coaching me. I want to see you all the time. And just like you said, that unicorn myth, as much as I want to be doing everything and I have to fly my wings and let my team take some ownership. And we have transitioned into this new realm, if you want to say it, you know, in the past year, and it's been so fantastic. I mean, I look back how I was doing the business the first four years, and I shake my head, how how did I do this? I was working in my business, in my business every day. Yeah. So, and then I love that you said, is building off the leader's strengths. That's exactly what I am doing as a leader too with my team from from Relly to Raw. What are their strengths? And this is why we do the assessments with our team. So, um, oh gosh, I love just hearing your feedback and and can relate from woman to woman, from entrepreneur yeah. to entrepreneur. You know, it's like it's great. I love it. Um, so I guess from you know just in terms of the powerhouses that you that you've worked with and with exponential uh i know they have what about seven or eight brands that that they think they're at nine now they just purchased rumble yeah that's interesting i went to rumble in philly and i loved it but no no it's so much fun and when i i loved going into there when i walked in it was that lobby that just caught me so much i'm like look at this all of the all the aesthetics and it, and it was a great workout. But I, you know, I did notice they don't have any like a strength based interval training franchise, franchise or yeah. franchise. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's going to be coming soon with them. You know, you know anything about that? <laughs> you know, I, I don't per se. What I will say is, and it's something that I've um, gleaned from working with them is exponential. Um, does a really great job of maximizing every inch of square footage right Mm. um and so it's one thing to walk into like a beautiful um rumble studio and be like wow look at this beautiful sitting area and so on and so forth but it's like okay if that's not actively driving us revenue how can we redesign it in a way that still feels welcoming but is going to to make you money um Mm. and i'm sure they'll do the same thing with um introducing new class types and that sort of thing. I mean, Rumble um, created itself in these ultra metropolitan markets in order to become franchisable. It needs to be able to speak to markets like, you know, I don't know, San Antonio or Indianapolis. And and so I'm sure we'll see changes in the brand a little bit, Um, but I don't know I don't have a, an inside take on exactly where they're going. Yeah, when I when I think of other franchisees such as, who are more so on our level as power, so such as F45 and Berries and Orange Theory, Spanga, Burn Boot Camp. What is your, you know, I'm very interested because this is something we talked about right before we started working together. You know, what I said to you is, I really would love your opinion as a consultant, as a coach, and where to go with my business model. Do we want to continue? Do we want to have more locations corporately owned? Do we want to go the franchise route? So when I think about these other, I don't say competitors, and that have you said when we think about like their square footage, their operational usage. Yeah. You know, what is your feedback on their model and their growth? I mean, they're, they're it's hard. You can't compete with them because of all the other, you know things that you know you and I have worked on yeah 
Yeah, I think like the first question is, do you want, do you want to take on what it takes in order to compete with them, right? Mm -hmm. And I think like everyone wants to compete with them at face value, but to understand like the inner workings and the investment just like financially and overhead wise and stuff that has gone into making an F45 what an F45 is, um, like I think it would stop a lot of people in their tracks. But what I say, you know, to all clients that are considering licensing or franchising is how perfect is your first location? Mm -hmm. Um, and then how close to perfect is that second location? Because unfortunately, and you know, Brandon can probably attest to this, the second that you change markets and you change ownership, I don't care how closely you're monitoring it. It's, it's not necessarily going to become diluted, but it's someone else's interpretation of your brand Mm -hmm. because you're not owning it and you're not, you're not running it as closely as if it was yours. And so if you don't have a perfect recipe before moving forward, that's where you see, you know, franchises start to crumble. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the other piece is, and listen, I think F45 is, is great. They're the, they're the cool thing on the block right now by a long shot. I get that. Um, but you need a, you need a business model that's going to sustain you past when you're not the cool new glittery thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I, I remember, I won't throw them out there, but I, um, was teaching at another concept and recognized, you know, you guys are great. You're like the, the soul cycle of right now, but you have no marketing strategy. You have no sales strategy. You have no member attention strategy. And so once the spotlight turns to another brand, like you're, you're going, you're not, you're not going to be able to sustain yourself much less grow. Um, and they're, you know, pretty ignorant at the time. And, and if, if you look at them today, it's like, I hate to say I told you so, but listen, you, you have to create that safety vest. You have to create that infrastructure for yourself so that you can continue to lean into what works for your brand long term instead of just being the cool thing with a great reputation. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. When I I remember going to your website and seeing the three different uh, models on, you know, how to, I forgot the what the first one and second one are because we we chose scale in, in terms yeah. of what do we need, and you know now that looking back I would probably go a little back just from our experience because of everything that we've learned and creating this blueprint for our model, and just to think about wow I didn't realize that sales even just just sales it's so sales heavy in this industry. I have been blind to that, but everything just in, and I'm sure you experienced this with other micro gym owners is, you know, from the unicorn being the unicorn and trying to do everything and trying to prioritize, but you don't think that just leads and member and doing membership sales is own position, an own position itself. So exactly. Yeah. That's, I mean, just when I'm just, I love and appreciate so much of how you are 
helping micro gyms because this is, I mean, I even told Krista who, you know, that you're working with now, like this is, yeah. this is the next step. This is a game changer. We need someone to help us because everything that we've been doing has just been trial and error for the past couple of years. And I'm sure you, you experienced totally. so many of your clients. Yeah. I mean, and I think I, I always say like, we're just in such a saturated space right now that I think if, if you had opened his power in 2011 and you were the the sole player, um, maybe you wouldn't have need needed like an airtight sales and marketing strategy because you wouldn't have had as many competitors to, mm-hmm. you know, try to keep up with or, I mean, you're doing more than keep up with them. But in today's day and age, like you need you need to know not just where your brand stands in your marketplace, but what exact consumer you're trying to target and what your differentiators are. Because I'm telling you right now, it's not your workout in your community because everyone thinks it's their workout in their community. So how can we like take that and iterate it into something that really speaks to the exact person that walks into your studio and then tailor scripts and email copy and a, a really business manual that, speaks to your exact brand um and isn't just you know we offer a hit workout yeah great so what yep and what's exactly and that's what i've been learning in the past two years since i've been really trying to grow and invest in the business is the majority of owners in the fitness industry i mean i could say this just from my opinion are passionate about fitness but don't know how don't, don't have any clue about the actual business. So, yeah. yeah. So that's when like, that's when this past year of evaluating our business model and bringing you on has really opened our eyes to just the business side, not just the hit workout and the programming and everything about our community, which we, you know, we talk about our culture, but the culture is the whole experience. So, um, and, you know, just, everything from operations based and our expectations. I just, I really want to say just, I valued our time together so much and, and with Alyssa. And I remember when I was like, wait, I'm not working with you every day. Do you remember that? When I yes. Emailed yes. You? And I have to say, and I think I was like, yes, we're going through a website revamp right now. I'm so sorry. I get it. This is what every new client says, but then it's funny. I just talked with another client and they, um, told me that they kind of liked working with Alyssa a little bit more. And I, that was actually like made me very proud. So she's, she's one for the books. It's for sure. funny. It's like, it's like me and Relly. It really is because I, yes. I had to really just kind of reflect on when I emailed you like, okay, I, I, I reached out to you and I'm, and I'm, you know, ask, and I want to have you working with us every time. But then I looked at it and I'm like, I would. I need to trust her just like someone would trust me. And I'm saying here, Relly, you need to trust Relly, you know? So it's, it's the same thing. And Alyssa's yeah. been freaking fantastic. Um, yeah. So this, this whole mentality of running the business has very much shifted. Thanks to you guys. Um, you know, one of the things I did want to um, really get into is, you know, something that we've talked about is the need for a designated full-time revenue driver in boutique fitness studio. So tell me a little bit more about that and your mindset on that. Um, You know, I think we worked with clients before with the mentality of kind of, if you, if you build it, they will come right. Like a restaurant um, (laughs) where, you know, they're sitting on 12 empty reformers and they're like, you know, if we, if we just yell loud enough from the rooftops and get on class pass, somehow our classes will fill and will become profitable. And the fact of the matter is 
you know, unless you as an owner are planning on like pounding the pavement, right. And creating these, um, relationships in your community and then turning those into pieces of contact information that you can follow up with to make sure that they try your studio and that you can then push into a member. Like, I think we underestimate how time consuming that is. And the, the initial, um, like, I guess misunderstanding is that like, well, we don't want to be pushy, right? Like if someone gives Mm -hmm. us their information, if they want to try it, they'll try it. And I always compare it to like, I've, I've needed to book a dentist appointment for the last six months, you know, and (laughs) only, only when my dentist is like, Hey, like they call me or text me and they're like, by the way, now you're overdue, right? Like, by the way, you might have cavities at this point. Am I like, Oh darn it. You know what? Yes. That's been at the bottom of my to-do list. Mm -hmm. And as much as we like to think that our brand is top priority for consumers, it's not, they have busy lives too. Right. Mm -hmm. And all it takes is for you or that, that designated person to reach out on that one day that they had a subpar workout or that they've been thinking about turning a new leaf and trying something different or that they say something that resonates with them. That's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And it takes about 10 times. Right. And I think that's something that's pretty mind blowing is like just one reach out that's that's a drop in the bucket but it's yeah. sales you need about 10 of these things to to make it work but um the magic is in really differentiating that communication and making it soft and speak to your brand and conversational so it's not like hey it's sprit again mm-hmm. hey by the way it's sprit again like that's never gonna work either um but it takes someone who's willing to be that champion of your brand and cultivate those relationships with leads and turn them to members that you know creates this fire of revenue under you so that you can focus on building your brand and teaching and interacting with your membership base but it's it's a necessary evil unfortunately yeah and that's you know when i think of like behind the scenes of what we're doing here you know when Relly ra and i are at this table it's no one no one understands and no one gets it i'll never forget someone yeah. said to me um maybe it was like four years ago kind of more so in the beginning of right when i started the business is do you do this full time <laughs> and i'm like oh man, if, if, if they only knew like there's so yeah. much that happens but just the behind the scenes of the spreadsheets and every little thing that even just you provide us and helped us with it has it, it's it's it could be you could work 24 7 all the time because uh, you, we could be getting an email or a new lead or a new uh, ge- a new lead generation at 12, 12 a.m., you know, and yep. we have these goals and times and everything and so many, uh, you know, key performance indicators that we want to hit now. And it's just on a it's on a different level. And it's I love the saying, you know, new level, new devil. Like it's it's overwhelming totally and you you prepared us too. you said before we even started working together it's gonna be really intense these next you know 90 days is is gonna be we're we're talking twice a week and we're learning and it's you have homework and and some days we're just like we didn't get to our homework sorry you know it's just yeah because it's it's so much but it's so much fun to learn that's that's like one of the best things i like relly and i and rob we love to learn this stuff so and that's been a yeah. big change of just learning about the whole process of the sales 
sales. Yep. So you've been. Yeah. And then it, it can be teachable, right? I yes. think there's this, um, I don't know. People are like, I, you're a salesperson or you're not. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. if you're passionate enough in your brand and you understand how to communicate it and you can learn to talk with your members, which you presumably do right. all day, you can learn this. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. and I think that kind of disassembling that, I think one of the things that I said to you, cause I say it to all of our clients is like, it's going to feel like we're slowing down initially to speed up. It's going to feel like we're taking some steps back mm-hmm. because we want to make sure whatever we communicate and put out there is a perfect embodiment of your brand. Right. Yes. And is, is us putting our best foot forward on your behalf. And so, um, listen, there are weeks where we, and I'm sure you've <laughs> witnessed it too, where like your eyes just glaze over and you're like, I can't talk about member referrals today. Like I am yeah. still two weeks behind, but it's like, mm-hmm. you now have that, you have that recording, you have those materials. And so mm-hmm. a month from now you can revisit it. We can jump back on the phone and it's like, okay, that can be, you know, December's initiative. So even though it's a delivery of a lot of information within the 90 days, I mean, you would have to be, I don't know, from another planet to be able to actually digest it and implement it all within 12 weeks. But if we can at least start to like form roots and see that what we're recommending is working mm-hmm. and start that initial momentum, that's really what we care about. Because if, if we have 30 days of you know success and we can continue to monitor that, that to me is so much more important than guaranteeing you a certain membership count and then not giving you any of the tools yeah. to sustain that after the 12 weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 already a win just in terms of the hiring. We had to hire two positions yeah. in a matter of weeks. You know, they, that wasn't expected, even just to hire a new sales position, but so grateful. You know, someone like Jen, who's already a member, so when she speaks to new members and new leads she can relate and it's just great that you know yes i've always wanted to hire within but to have that sense of urgency and what we've accomplished already uh it's been fantastic and i'm really proud of our team for just transitioning and adapting this this you know all the new theories and everything so i want to um actually kind of move forward and something that me and you have spoken spoken about too early on uh and i remember you know i you know you're like what is, you know, what is your mission? What is your model? And, you know, we're talking about um, gym models that do more because they feel like they have to appeal to everyone, yes. right? And I know, you know, I talked to you about, you know, we're doing, we're called performance wellness recovery and under performance umbrella, we have yoga, we have pedal and we have interval, but what do we do best? That's our interval training. So yes. talk to me about your experience with that, with your clients, your, your thoughts, your opinions on um, on some models out there and even and even use us, please. Yeah, yeah, um, I'll use you and then I'll also use Krista, who you referred us to and who's been wonderful but has had to really unwrap her entire brand. I think mm-hmm. any successful brand, um, and there's a TED Talk on this, it starts with, a really um, clear, succinct why, mm. right? And instead of a what. So if, if you start with we're a hit workout, like consumers' eyes glaze over because it's like, yeah, you and everyone else right. at 45 is a hit workout. But if you start with your why and you start with your mission and you start with your value and that's how you lead communication and then you 
overlay that with how you're doing it, right? Mm -hmm. I.e. your differentiators. And then you end with, by the way, we're a HIIT workout. Mm -hmm. That's going to get you so much of a, a stronger grasp, not just in your marketplace, but in the industry as a whole, right? That's like like soul cycle is the example that I always use. If you look at soul cycles description, they don't talk about cycling almost at all. They are a rhythm driven journey and you're like, but you're a cycling studio. Mm -hmm. So that's without, you know, going too deep down this rabbit hole. I think that's the very first um, priority we have is not just to nail down like, What's your general consumer? What's your, um, I don't know, messaging? What's your audience? But like, what is your why? And if you don't tell me if in that why you're not talking about like, we do so through dietary supplements or we provide, you know, lifestyle coaching. And then you throw that in as like, by the way, we've wanted to do that. That to me is, is a red herring um and a distraction and listen i'm i'm guilty of it all day like i we hear of clients who are like hey do you guys also do this or do this and we absolutely could but it would dilute and distract from what we do really really well and why our clients pursue us in the first place um so i think that's uh, unless it's going to take you know take the place of the majority of your revenue, i.e. membership, um, is it really worth the return on investment? Right, and that is something, I will say it right now, because I'm a very, sometimes I get in vulnerable positions as I am right now, and I think about our model when bringing in pedal and you know investing in bikes. Do we, does everyone know how expensive those are? Probably not, but you know, just, diversifying our options has when I first rebranded you know still is in my vision but interval training is our strength and we're focusing on my coaches and that strength and we're going to have more classes with interval training and you know when I think of the future of power it could be shifted it could be scaled in a different way too it's just it's one of those things that this is why it's so important for business owners and for my friends who are listening in this industry to build off your strengths. I say even just to my team is build off your strengths. I don't focus on my weaknesses. I still will work at it, but at the same time, this is it's it's common. And, you know, before we were rebranding, I've had, you know, Spanga was one of one of the gyms that definitely was part of my inspirational board you know my pinterest yeah you know inspo board and everything and but like when i think of scaling the business is that what's going to be best for my brand you know so it's it's something to definitely think about and 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 dig more into and i appreciate you uh you know speaking more on that and one of those things that i've actually heard on another podcast because you know i'm such a junkie and thank you for sending (laughs) thank you for sending me about thomas Plummer, by the way Oh my gosh, of course. I'm going to send you a couple more that I have alluded to already, too. I have a bookmark for you. Oh gosh, like like last night I'm folding the clothes, I'm in my bedroom, the kids come running in, I have the press pause, I'm like, this, just let me listen to my podcast. Like, I I sound like such, so ridiculous because it's just all I do when I It's your religion. It is my religion. It's whenever I free time or just to, to escape and learn and to grow. So I did hear this and I, and I really did appreciate this. And tell me what you think about this. Um, 
someone said to me, someone, ha- you know, people ask me all the time, what's power's plan in two years and five years and 10 years? And I remember saying, you know, we got plans, but right now I'm focusing on now. And it's one of those things that I struggle with because everyone needs to set their goals in two years and five years and 10 years. I guess, what is your thought on that for you yourself, you know, but also your clients? Yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I think it, as a, as contradictory as it sounds, um, I've never been one of those people that can um, clearly tell you, like, here's where I want to be in two years, here's where I want to be in five years, and I'll tell you it. It drove my previous boss nuts because I'd be like, I don't know, I just want to perfect what I'm doing right now. I just want to be the best VP of sales that I can be. I just want to drive the most revenue right now that I can. Um, and... I, listen, I think in this industry, it's it's actually benefited me because we do change so quickly. Yeah. And I think the the goal that I would set out for my business today probably wouldn't even make sense based on where the industry is going to be in five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this. I, I left corporate America for a reason. I want to have really strong touch points with our clients. I want to be incredibly hands-on and in the weeds with them and so I don't I don't want to focus on growing and scaling my business as much as I am right now um because I just don't want it to get too big um so again I'm probably like the wrong person to ask but I think for clients um it can become really daunting and really easy to throw in the towel when you look at this large goal of like I want to be at 400 members And it's like, all right, well then by when? And then how do we back up from there? Because if you're just chasing that same unattainable goal month over month over month, it just becomes a pipe dream, you know? And so something that I'm really big on and obviously, you know, Alyssa has worked with you guys and all of our clients on is like, okay, what does that then pair down to this month? What does it pair down this week? How about today? How about this hour, right? Like what are the little microscopic goals that are going to get us to that big goal, but don't but seem more digestible, mm-hmm. right? And that can allow you to like really witness that you're succeeding and I don't know, yeah. witnessing the tiny wins along the way. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that really answers your question, but I, I'm, as you know, I'm really big on tangible and actionable. So I'm, I'm all about micro goals that lead to bigger goals. Yeah, no, I like that, I, I do. And it does, it becomes overwhelming, especially in this industry, like you said, it's evolving. And that is one of the things I love with our model because in two years, something else is going to be happening and coming out in in a year, in six months, you know, it's just, and we have to be able to shift and pivot, shift and pivot. And, and we know that more so than any, now more than, more than now than anything because of the pandemic. So totally, you know, it's like one of those things that we were doing the, uh, online virtual and after once we were in here after about six months, we stopped. We're like, okay, we want to focus on yeah. our people. And, that, and, and a lot of gyms still offer it, but it was becoming more of, we were less, less efficient as a team and, and between staffing and everything else. It, it was tough to manage. So we want to just come focus on what we're doing inside and the people that were coming in. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of shifting still. Um, now, one of the things I really want to talk about and, you know, I told you that we were working with Stu prior, uh, prior to you. And I love that you went on his podcast. 
Oh, he's wonderful. He's he wonderful. We are the yin to each other's yang for sure. He told me, he said, when I have the next, uh, his micro gym university, he wants to bring you. I said, well, I'm there. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, women in the fitness industry, it has, I've always had just a mindset of, you know, I, I was always the girl on the boys team or when I was an athletic director, uh, with a hundred athletic directors in New York state, I was one of like 10 women. And now in the fitness industry, it's, it's, it's very transitional, very similar, especially in the interval training discipline. You see a lot more women business owners with yoga, with bar, with, um, uh, with spin. Just tell me your experience with women in the industry. Like I love I just love having a team of badass women. I love working with empowering, inspiring women. What is what is your experience just with you know male industry and and what what do you think is going to happen with it? What do you foresee? Yeah, I love this topic. Um, and I, similar to you, we're we're women owned and operated, not intentionally, but I think it's it's part of what has made us so successful um, because we can speak to female owners in in the same language. Um, gosh, I, I entered, um, I'll kind of go back to 2010 when I, I entered the fitness industry formally. Um, and at that point, sex was a major driver in fitness. I mean, if you look, I like go Google Equinox ad campaign from 2010 um, and then just imagine working there as, you know, a 20 year old selling memberships. And, um, I learned very early on, like if I wasn't going to beat them, I was going to join them. Um, and there were, there there were plenty of of things that were said to me, um, or, you know, intimidation factors. And, um, Mm -hmm. I I won't go into that, but I think what it taught me is like, then I'm just going to lean into that. Then I'm just going to be that. Like, if you're going to call me a bitch, then I'm going to call myself a bitch first. Um, and you know, even in my last role, I was leading a team of all men in a team of all men within the sales department. And, um, I don't think that that's necessarily wrong. Like by, by no means am I, you know, like against the patriarchy or anything like that. Um, but I think as we see boutique fitness, um, continue to evolve, one of the things that we talked about is it's, it's an emotional business, right? Yes. Like there's no reason literally that I should pay $250 for a membership when I can stream a free YouTube workout in my living room. And I hate to say it, females are better at that conversation than males are. And so mm-hmm. I recognize that as a strength um, and have been able to, to use that to kind of catapult our strategy working together. But Candidly, I, I don't think that there's a huge difference in working with females versus versus males as much as there was when I first entered the industry. Um, but I do think that there's there's certainly power in being female owned and operated and kind of playing that I told you so card. Yeah, so much power. I mean, you know, just 
from Hit It With Brit to Power, we have grown our male presence. You know, we're roughly around 25, 30%. It used to be more so 15, 20% of membership. That's awesome. Yeah, and that was one of our goals. And, and it's gonna continue to grow. And, you know, I'll, and I love that, love that you said that, you know, the fitness industry is emotionally driven. I'll never forget. It is. I ha- it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, I had someone say to me, and this was a male coach back in the day, that I have to stop running my business on emotions. Now, there's a difference uh, with that, like with making decisions or, you know, and that's how I grew my business. That's how I started my business was my emotions of being a single parent and, and going through my hardships and and I and I had a bigger why, you know? So it's like, and there is a huge difference of men, male operated businesses, just in my own experience. And it's no disrespect. Yeah. It's no disrespect at all because I I have so many male friends who, who own gyms and I've and I have male friends in the industry. It's just a matter of it's still difficult. It's still a um, stereotype of just not having the respect in this industry, especially with what we do and what we deliver, you know? And, yeah. And, and uh, I'm going to continue to slash those, those stereotypes. And I'm, like you said, if you can't beat them, then, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, and listen, I think there's this, and, and I, we talked about this kind of briefly, there's this um, idea that your product is your workout. And it's not your product is your culture. It's your team. It's your workout. It's how it's your social media presence. It's how you're checking on members around the clock, right? It's in the events and initiatives that you do. And all of that takes an understanding of your member and how to communicate with them Mm -hmm. and what makes them tick. And in boutique fitness, the majority is female. So, um, so I think having a female owner like that, that resonates and comes a little bit more naturally um, versus, you know, otherwise it can be kind of a survival of the fittest mentality where it just has to be a perfect workout and yeah. I'm, we're past that, yeah. right? Um, There's so much more that so, to mm-hmm. Yeah, and you guys do such an amazing job. I mean, I, um, I'm, I won't give, a, give your entire brand strategy away, but I remember this discussion where it started with we're a we're a hit workout we're kind of like the hit workout of albany and and then it became like no we're like the women's stomping ground like this is where all you know women that need to be empowered come and work out you can completely turn off your mind all you have to do is follow this specific course and we basically you know bottle feed you from there um and that's incredible like that's so much more powerful than being like we're the best hit workout yeah mm-hmm. i agree yeah just a little bit more of like being very strategic and thinking on a deeper level absolutely it's like more the holistic yeah. view of it too so uh moving forward i'm just wanted to just a couple things about just so far in your career what has like what do you love most about your career and what have been this is a two-part question what do you love most about your career and what have been the toughest hurdles that you've overcome oh i mean i think i always hear moms be like this is the most fun age oh no this is the most fun age and so i would say like (laughs) it sounds cliche and bad analogy but I think this is my favorite part of my career, like just seeing what every piece of the puzzle has 
lined up with. And I always had this voice in the back of my head that this was, I was going to work for boutique fitness studio owners individually at some point. Like that was going to be, that was my end goal. Obviously I didn't see how that was going to come to culmination. Um, but to see that come to fruition in a way that is beyond what I imagined has been like, I, I, I pinched myself. Um, I think the most challenging thing, and it's, it's probably one that, you know, all entrepreneurs deal with is I, I, I have difficulty turning off and I've always had difficulty turning off because just, I, I'm a born salesperson and sales doesn't sleep, but, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, under like there's, there's always something new to focus on and grow your business with. And that has been the hardest, I think, thing to, to stomach as an entrepreneur. I was naive and thinking I wasn't being naive and starting this and now having a payroll and having an accountant and having a bookkeeper and having an, uh, attorney, like all of these are things that are, they take up time. Right. And I think to, to clients, it can be like, well, where is she? And it's like, I'm freaking trying to keep this thing afloat. Um, I get it. So absolutely. I struggle with that too. I really do. It's just maintaining, (laughs) managing every single vendor that we have, like you said, from attorneys to bookkeepers, it's, it's a lot. And it's also a learning curve. It's a huge learning curve. I yeah. laugh because and then I think, it's, 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 go it's, ahead. It's, no, I laugh because it's fun, but it's also, it's, it's, it's tough. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of combined with that, and it's something that I've witnessed with you and we talked about earlier is allowing, I mean, we'll use Alyssa in this case. I worked with Alyssa closely for, gosh, she can probably correct me on this, but like four or five months and we role played and we did mock scenarios and so on and so forth so that she could be not as close to me, but the best, you know, version of Alyssa and mm-hmm. it going into these client calls. But it's hard as an entrepreneur giving away that that freedom and really like that was the reason that I got into this right like my favorite part of the business is still communicating with clients and interfacing with them but that's not that's not what's going to serve them the best um so having those I hate to say like epiphanies but having those epiphanies and hiring really great people that you can coach like that is a that's been a learning curve and it's been hard to give up some perfectionistic qualities. Um, but it's very worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. Agree to that. What do you do for, you know, any personal or professional development? Do you, have you invested in your own coach? Do you, I know you're, you don't, I don't think you podcast it as much, but no, I know I, I need to do better. Um, I really need to do better. I mean, I, I'm all about conversation. So like there are mentors that I seek in this space that, um, kind of keep me, I don't want to say keep me afloat, but keep me in my lane. And um, in terms of professional development, I think, um, and this is something we talk about when developing your own team, is it's one thing to tell your team, like, hey, here's an opportunity I've witnessed and here's what I want you to do. And it's another for them to kind of come to that conclusion themselves. That's so much more empowering. And so we have monthly initiatives as a team. we all we meet regularly anyways but in in one of the meetings we talk about like hey here's what i'm going to focus on for the month and here's the specific course or podcast or book that i'm reading for it and then we report back on it um which is great because i I, we're 
we're a young team um, and I, I take a lot of responsibility in developing my team well in a way that un- is understandable for them. Um, but I think, you know, the biggest thing that I've tried to instill in them is ask for forgiveness, not permission. Like we're not going to continue moving at the speed um, that we can and, and you won't gain confidence in your own capabilities if you don't just do it yourself. Um, and listen, at, at the end of the day, like it was maybe 90% of what I would have done. That's great, right? So I think those are the the main um, the main things that I try to push is just have self-reflecting on where you're at professionally and what you personally are going to do for it and using your team as accountability partners. Um, and then also just having the autonomy and confidence in your capabilities. There was a reason you were hired yeah. to, to do it without, you know, feeling like you have to run through every single piece of it with me. Yes. That's, I, I feel you. This is, oh, absolutely. It's that kind of it goes into my last question that my little finisher is any, do you have any advice for young entrepreneurs out there? Any, it could be this field, any field. Oh gosh, I'm probably the worst person to ask. No, it's, I, no, you, I, I, no I, you're a great person because most people don't know they're going to be an entrepreneur or they think they yeah, want to be. And that's then they, fair. I, that you know? is fair. Yeah. Um, I think there are young people that want to do what you're doing. And my, you spoken with Alyssa, my Krista started as an intern and she now knows my business better than I, I think I do. Um, if you are an entrepreneur and you start a business and you need help, use this opportunity to bring on an intern and really mentor them. And so they can see what being an entrepreneur in that specific field is like, mm-hmm. it'll help you with some of the admin work, but it's also great as a sounding board to practice before you do anything. I mean, there's just, there's so much young talent there. Um, and you know, our education system is, is great, but I think it lacks some of the hands-on training that would be much more applicable once, you know, students get into the workforce. So that's my takeaway is, you know, it doesn't have to be free talent. It can be inexpensive talent, but use where you're at, um, to, to serve those, um, kind of coming behind you. I love that. I couldn't agree with you more on that. My internships were, and it's kind of like what you said before with having that tangible action items. My internships are what molded me into this industry. Those, the skills that I learned, the, you know, everything. And, and it was like thrown on me. So, and I loved having my, you remember Shyla from this summer yeah. having the intern, like we, we did so much with her and we we're like, God, we would hire you right now. You know, like she, she knew so much about the business and they're so young and these young what are, what are they now? Gen Z? What are we? What are we? I think it's them? Gen. I think it's Gen, Gen Z. X, Gen Z now. Yeah, they're they're hungry. A lot of them all, all yeah. want to work for themselves, and you still got to get in that experience first. You know, you still got to taste it and do some of the crappy stuff before you, before you want to start making all that money. So, getting those interns is and getting an internship is absolutely great advice. Um, and my. My, I, I want to end something with just with every single interview is what is your superpower? Oh gosh. I, I said it was a weakness before, <laughs> I, but 
my endurance um and i i am i am that annoying eternal optimist because there are some pieces like we were talking about this we we're talking about you know one of my my team members who's going through something and i was on the phone with her today and i was like but here's the silver lining and she's like in tears um and i think that's it right like i i think that that's probably contributed to my success is there's there's nothing that seems um defeatable like mm-hmm. i will reach out to anyone i will speak with anyone but then if it doesn't work it doesn't work you know and you you land on your feet and you always do and like that's why all of us are where we are today and so i think that like ability to always look at it through a positive lens mm-hmm. and i always say like look for where the sun is where the light is pouring in like where let's chase that um so it can be it can, resilient. yeah yes. yeah mm-hmm. um yeah that's probably a better word for it i like but, it no endurance yeah, resilience i love it yes that's that that i and you have to have that as an entrepreneur because there's gonna be things that pop up and it's just like you said we're putting out the fires every single day and it just got to pivot you know Amen. Yeah. Amen. So um, now I would like to, uh, for, I would like for you to, I'm going to put it underneath when we uh, post up the the episode, but how can people get a hold of you, your website, your Instagram, LinkedIn? Yeah. Um, our website's really easy. It's just HEFCO. So H-E-F-C dot co. Um, same Instagram handle. If you look up Hensley Elifritz on LinkedIn. You will see me there too. I that again, one advantage of having a really unique name is if you look up like Hensley Consulting, I think it'll probably jump on. And she's hot. Google guys. search. She's so. hot. No, she's sexy. Okay. She's oh. hot. Like you You're, can't miss we, her. That's okay. We're not going <laughs> to go down that avenue. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard not to run into us. Yeah, and then uh, anything that you are offering. Uh, with your consulting company right now. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys um, probably can tell at this point, we're not big on gimmicks. So we're not doing any sort of like special or anything like that. But for those listeners who are interested, um, first of all, every conversation initially is free. So if you just want a consultation to talk through opportunities um, and see your business through a different lens, you can always reach out. Um, and then if you do pursue any of our 12 week programs, we are knocking off 250 bucks through the end of the year. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Let me tell you guys, if you are listening in in this industry, I highly encourage you to reach out to Hensley, reach out to me and ask a little bit more information if you want to, too. You know, I went back and forth with Hensley a couple times just to, you know, because it's, and you should. Yeah, absolutely. It's an investment and it's time. And it was the best decision that we have made. We're so grateful. We've learned so much and I'm excited for power. And Hensley, I'm so excited for you because a woman leading in this industry of what you do, there's more women that need you. And I will be first to continue recommending you to others. Uh, um, you in the are incredible. I wish you could see my face right now. My smile is just like taking <laughs> up my entire head. Um, but yeah, feelings mutual. And thank you again for having me on. It's it was a quick 60 minutes, just like yes. we anticipated. Always. Every single time is a quick 60 minutes. And I'm definitely going to make my way to Texas sometime in the next year. Absolutely. Perfect. So you better be there. I'll check in before. I, <laughs> you know um, I will be. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hensley, thank you again. 
and everyone have a great day.